Hello, friends, and welcome to the Optimized Advisor Podcast, where we focus on optimizing the well-being and best practices of insurance and financial professionals today. On this show, our objective is to help you optimize your life, optimize your profession, and learn from other optimized advisors. I'm your host, Scott Heinola. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, hello, Davin Salvano, my good friend. Welcome. Scott, so great to see you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I wish I could be sitting in the chair across from you uh, in that amazing setup that you have, staring at that beautiful, stunning jacket that you're wearing. <laughs> Thank you. I wish you were here as well. But here here we are. These are the times we are in. You're coming from the beautiful city of Macomb, Michigan. We are. We are um, in Macomb County, actually in the city of Mount Clemens, Michigan, which is a 200-year-old city here in in Macomb, and uh, not as nice as Orange County, uh, but there's a lot of history and and staples here. I was saying earlier how how envious I am of the building and the history and architecture and all that that you find yourself among. So today's topic is all about living life with purpose and finding purpose, not only in our life, but but in our profession. Um, Let me do you the proper introduction, please. Is that okay sure. with you? Okay, I'd great. be honored, please. Davin Salvano, my good friend, he's the founder and CEO of Purpose Point and the author of Finding Purpose at Work. Having spent nearly two decades serving in various leadership roles in finance, human resources, operations, and marketing with Fortune 500 companies, his insights and talks have helped hundreds of organizations across the world engage their purpose, inspire their people, and positively impact their performance. I must say, I can't think first show of the year. Here we are, 2021. Well, I'm, I'm honored to have it. And thank you for that kind introduction. And you're right, right? This is the time of the year. January is a fresh slate for everybody. Um, I know that a lot of people have been just waiting for 2020, which was a challenging year for every person on the planet uh, to, to, to get in the, in the rear view mirror and for us to thrust into 2021. And what a better way to approach the new year than to think about why we're here and what we're created for, both individually and also organizationally. And so it is um, a very timely topic, but it is also a timeless topic that we we need to constantly revisit over and over again. So I'm glad to be here today to, to spend this time together. This is the time of year I always take a little time. I'm not a big, you know, New Year's resolution all of a sudden, January 1 hits and it's an opportunity to completely change my life. Not saying that that doesn't happen for people, but for me, this is more of a time of year to reflect, process the year in the rearview mirror, look forward for any alignments and realignments and refocus and try and gain clarity in areas that I may have gone off track a little bit or just as things in my life adjust and my priorities adjust bring things back into focus. Um, You and I have certainly had many conversations about purpose and having purpose, not just in your personal life, but also in your profession. I use the word passion a lot. Uh, I am very passionate about what we do and passionate about and, and our why, helping people, really to help our advisors and in turn their clients make a real impact and difference in their lives. We try and change their lives through proper planning and all of that. So um, that's my two cents on that topic. But going forward, Davin, here, I think we'd be remiss if I, if I didn't 
share with our audience a little bit more about your story, your background, your company that you founded just a few years ago, Purpose Point. So if you could shed light. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. And and I want to make sure we don't lose sight of what you just said. So, so after I give a little background here, you mentioned three very critical things, uh, passion, why, and purpose. And it's very, very important that we distinguish between what those three things are, passion, why, and purpose, because they are very, very different. Um, but we tend to use those interchangeably. Uh, but you're right. Um, there's this natural inclination within each of us to want to realign. We know we get off track. And so while, you know, if the clock doesn't strike midnight and the ball comes down and we sing all Lang Syne and, you know, if you're from the East coast, like I am Sinatra sings, you know, New York, New York over Times square, which didn't happen this year. Um, but I think what we look forward to is we all know when we fall out of alignment and we never really take the time to bring ourselves back into alignment, especially with purpose. Uh, but for there's something about, a new year something about, you know, approaching a new year that says, you know, Hey, it's not a new lease on life, but it is a chance to reflect. It is a chance to go back into alignment exactly as what you just said. And there's probably never been a more important year for us to take stock and do that than there is this year, because, you know, we were all brought a lot closer to our humanity and to our purpose in 2020. Um, but we'll expand more on that in a minute. Let me get, let me answer your question and give you a, just a, I guess a brief background about, Purpose Point, as you just mentioned, um, and this obviously being the Optimized Advisor podcast and being in the financial services industry and our our target, I shouldn't say target, but a core audience of people here are in that industry. I do have a little background in the industry myself, So, but prior to getting to that, I had spent, as Scott said in the introduction, almost 20 years in different leadership roles in marketing, in operations, and human resources. And um, uh, about six years ago, I started to decide that I wanted to, to get out of that corporate environment. And so I sat down with my financials team and decided to, that I was going to take a, a big leap and start a consulting company and call it Purpose Point. And the whole reason for that was as I had spent years with different corporations, I had found whether that I was in marketing operations or in human resources, that there was a common disconnect and this common disconnect was people and organizations being out of alignment with their purpose, organizations being out of alignment with the purpose that they started the company for. Every company, it doesn't matter what company it is, it doesn't matter what industry that you're in, starts with a purpose. You start a business, you start an organization, you start a company with an idea of solving a problem, of filling a gap or a void that exists within society. And whether you invented something or came up with a product, service, or solution or offering that fills that gap, or whether you say, hey, we're going to do something that someone else is already doing, but we're going to do it faster, better, cheaper, more quality, whatever it is, there is a purpose that you start or set out uh, on. Even as a financial advisor, when you go into the industry, you start usually from a perspective of I'm going to be different than most financial advisors out there because there's tens of thousands of them. But what's going to set me apart is I'm going to truly care or I'm going to really approach it from a perspective of excellence or higher quality or whatever that is. There is a purpose point, if you will, that we all start from when we either jump into our profession individually or we start a company or an organization. And what tends to happen 
as we jump into those journeys, we invite people to come along with us. As an individual or as a professional, the people that we invite to come along with us are typically our customers or our clients. Or if we hire staff and we need employees, the people that we invite to come along that journey with us are those that we ask to join our firms or to to support us in some capacity. Companies invite customers to come along their journey. They hire employees, they invite employees to come along their journey. And the purpose of doing that is to have a more robust um, ability or resource to deliver on the purpose. Uh, I recently watched a Simon Sinek video and and, um, Simon is is someone who uh, I've shared some things with over the years. And he posted recently and he said, you know, you, you don't buy a car to put gas in it. The purpose of buying a car is not to buy gas. The purpose of buying a car is to go somewhere. It's to reach a destination. You need the gas, you need the fuel to fuel the car to go where you're going. The purpose of starting a company or a business is not necessarily to make money. It's a byproduct. The purpose of starting a company or a business is to contribute to the greater whole of society in some fashion by filling that gap, that void with the product or service that you offer. But you do need the money to fuel the business, just like you need the money to fuel the car. Money is a tool. It's Money a tool. A it's tool. a tool, right? right? So you you have this purpose point. You then invite people to join you in your journey of purpose. You then start putting processes in place to support your people to advance the purpose. And then you start turning a profit. And all too often what happens is we start to fall out of alignment. We start to shift our focus from the purpose of why we're here and the people that we've invited to be on this journey with us to our processes and to our profitability. And when we start to focus more on our processes and our profitability than we do on our purpose or on the people that we implore to be on the journey with us or on the people that we exist to serve, that is where we start to fall apart and where we start to become like everybody else. This is an an all too common story of mission drift. Every company, every professional all too easily falls down this trap of losing sight of purpose and people to focus on more efficient processes and more profitability. Those things are important, but process and profitability are tools to support the people that we exist to serve for the purpose that we set out for in the beginning. And so we must always keep our sights first on purpose and then on people and then on process and then on profitability. We must reverse the natural tendency of that shift. There's a lot of things out there like key performance indicators, KPIs. We can often become paralyzed by all these KPIs that are out there. I offer that KPI should stand for keep purpose in front because we tend to lose sight of that. And that was the essence of purpose point. So going back to how that got started is um, I had saw all of these companies were falling into these traps in every role that I had ever served in. And I said, wouldn't it be great if there was an organization or a consulting company or something out there that kind of, you know, act as that, you know, shop kind of like a discount tire or something where you can, you know, you pull your car in and it puts it right back in alignment for you. Can can there be an entity or a consultant company that can help 
constantly bring companies back into alignment, back to their purpose point, because it's just a natural shift to fall out of alignment. And so um, I spoke with my financial team and said, I'm going to quit my corporate career. I was at CVS Health. I was a HR business partner for them. I was um, they on track to be their vice president of HR, but that would have required me moving to Rhode Island. That's a whole other story that we can get into maybe on another episode sometime or in the future. Mm-hmm. But um, I made a decision. I was going to leave corporate America, leave my role with a Fortune 8 company in a very high capacity and go and try to help small to mid-sized companies or entrepreneurs or whatever stay focused on their purpose while using my background in operations, marketing, and human resources to kind of fill in the gaps. Because a lot of times, you you know, even as an entrepreneur, you, you go to school to get it to, to, to be a financial advisor, you get your designations, you learn all those, but you don't really get taught how to be a business owner. You have a lot of doctors that go to school to be doctors, but they don't get taught how to be a business owner. You have a lot of people that start companies and businesses and they get really knowledgeable about their industry but they don't learn enough about people and human resources and marketing and those types of things. So I thought, how could I use all of this experience and insight to help as many people and as many organizations as possible stay focused on their purpose, to keep purpose in front while I kind of help them with the minutia of this stuff that often pulls them away from their purpose and their focus on people because they get stuck focusing on process and profitability. I wanted to be the catalyst that, that help reverse that from happening. In the financial services space, so many times we find um, just getting integrated and inundated and even buried in the day-to-day business. And we really do, I think, lose focus on the purpose, my why. I just find myself going and going and going and going. And not taking that opportunity to pause, take a moment, take a step back and reassess what is the per- why am I doing this? Cuz it can't be just because I want to make a lot of money. That's right. That's exactly right. And what you just said is exactly what the launching point of Purpose Point was. So when I sat down with my financial team, one of my advisors was the managing partner of a financial firm and he'd been a good friend of mine for years. And when I described to him exactly what I just said to you, he said, oh my gosh, we need you here. Mm. And I said, well, listen, I know nothing about finance. I don't, I don't want to manage money. I don't want to get into investments or insurance or whatever. He goes, you don't understand. And he said exactly what you just did, which is so often financial advisors and people in the industry get into business to help people. They, 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 they have this vision of their purpose and, and, and their reason for being there, their why. And again, purpose and why are two different things. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but we get, we get lost in all of the processes and in compliance and in all of our notes and things and all the products and services and offerings and out there and everything. And what's best. And we start to again, focus more on processes and eventually profitability because you got to stay profitable to stay in business, to be able to serve clients that we, we, we lose sight. And yeah. so my financial um, organization said, Hey, we, we need you here. And they basically um, suggested that I come on board as a coach, a growth and development director for, for their financial advisors. And I said, well, if I'm going to do that, I need to understand what happens in a financial advisor's mind that causes them to, to go down that path, causes them to, to, to have mission drift. 
So I actually became a financial advisor myself. I got, I studied, I, I, I got, you know, my licenses in, in both investments and insurance. I then sat in a lot of joint work meetings with a lot of financial advisors over a period of a couple of years. And after every single client meeting, I would sit down with the advisors that I would with, and I would recap the meeting with them and say, what went well, what didn't. And I would help them see where the meeting focused on purpose and where they had uh, the hearts and minds of the clients that they were there to serve and where they were focused on purpose and people. And then I would help them see where sometimes they drifted from that and where the conversation got a little bit more transactional and less transformational. And um, I did that for a couple of years. I eventually uh, started speaking all over the country for that firm. Um, and then, you know, there were some other um, entities that were out of the financial services industry that, that realized they needed the same conversation. And so in 2018, Purpose Point was officially born to, to service uh, a myriad of companies and myriad of industries. Um, and then it wasn't just me. So what had happened, and I'll wrap up the story here and then we can kind of get into some, some good meats and potatoes of kind of the difference of these terms and such. But um, I had met another speaker his name's Kurt David. Kurt David was a former professional basketball player who uh, experienced an uh, injury in his late 30s and had to stop playing basketball. He was playing in Europe. He was playing here. And, and basketball was his everything, right? It was, it was basically his purpose. Sports was his purpose. What do you do when all of a sudden the thing that was your entire life is something you can no longer do? How do you rediscover your purpose in your late thirties and early forties? When your nucleus and vanishes, so, how do you respond to that? What's that? I how said, do you respond to that? No, when your nucleus of your entire oh. existence vanishes, right. how, do you how do you respond? Talk about That's a exactly life changing right. moment. Yep. Yeah. And, and this happens for almost every athlete that's out there, unless you become, you know, a commentator or a coach or write a book or whatever the case is. And so he decided that he was going to interview a bunch of other athletes uh, about what they did when they left. And so he started interviewing all these different athletes. And then that kind of grew into an interview series. And then he started interviewing Heisman Trophy winners and Super Bowl winners and whole Hall of Famers. And he ended up interviewing 50 of them and then wrote books on them. And then it turned into a TV series. And then he won an Emmy. And then he started speaking all over the place on this idea of how do you deal with rapid change in the middle of your life, as you just said, when the nucleus of what your identity is just kind of vanishes. How do you respond? Mm -hmm. And so he had just wrapped up a speaking tour on the concept of rediscovering your um, personal purpose, professional purpose in the middle of, of, of such a situation. I had just wrapped up a speaking tour on organizational purpose. And we said, wouldn't it be great if organizations took the time to understand the individual purpose of the people within their uh organizations. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be great if individuals took the time to understand how their personal purpose and their, per their professional purpose aligns with the overall purpose of the organization, how what they do every day contributes to that. And purpose point in that moment took on a whole new meaning. It became this concept of really connecting individual and organizational purpose and helping both stay in alignment so that individuals and professionals can operate at the top of their, their game at their highest level of performance by focusing on purpose and on people. And so that organizations can operate at the top of their game and at the highest level of performance by focusing on 
their purpose and their people. And so Kurt and I joined forces and then over the period of the last couple of years, Purpose Point has grown into kind of the speaking, coaching, and training firm with dozens of speakers, coaches, trainers, and professionals across the country um, who our job is really to engage purpose, to inspire people, and to impact performance. Wow. So as you sit there today, looking back over the last few years, what would you say are the greatest successes you've experienced with Purpose Point, your key strengths? And then on the flip side, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face and have to overcome? Mm. Wow, those are really good questions. Um, I would say one of some of the greatest successes have been when we have seen companies. You know, the moments that, that um, the moments that really change the game for your path to where you are today, because you've come a long way in a very short period of time. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. So I would say that there, there's three um, catalyst moments that happened that really took us from where we were to where we are now. Um, one of those was the Purpose Summit that we did in 2019, where I talked about this concept of connecting individual and organizational purpose. And so we were speaking all over the place on this, and we said, rather than us taking the conversation to people, what if we created an event that basically was the conversation and invited people to the conversation? And so in 2019, we did a two-day summit called the Purpose Summit in Detroit, uh, where one day was really focused on individual purpose. Second day was organizational purpose. And we flew in speakers from all over the country. Uh, we flew in people from Canada, uh, Dennis Mosley Williams, who I know we, is a good friend of both of ours, uh, flew in for the day and, and, and really did an amazing job of um, an insightful job of, of helping people specifically in the financial services industry. Um, but we didn't realize how transformational that conversation was going to be. And so what had happened is we recorded the whole summit. Hundreds of people have came. We did really no marketing or advertising other than on social media. Um, and what we had found is one of our speakers was a master in the social media space, particularly in LinkedIn. And we had found that we had discovered not only how to have the conversation, but how to help others have the conversation, particularly through events and through social media, uh, in a way that they didn't know how to. And so the event itself was powerful, but what happened after the event was even more powerful because people wanted to know, how did you put on an event like that? How did you guys communicate so effectively and so genuinely authentically through social media the way that you did? And so then we kind of got into the space of helping other people and organizations have events and then providing the speakers for those events, but then doing a lot of coaching uh, and training on, on social media strategies and on communication. Um, and then uh, we recorded the whole series and we sent it out to Los Angeles to get edited. And the, the editing firm that was out there said they watched every keynote because they had to record them. And they said, this event was absolutely transformational. You need to do it again in LA next year. And so that opened the door to a lot of relationships that we otherwise probably would not have started to have conversations with because we were going to duplicate the event in LA in 2020. Obviously, that did not happen because of COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, but what it did do was create a massive brewing ground 
for what is about to happen in 2021 when we do the summit again, and we can talk about that later. Um, so that was that was catalyst point number one. The second thing that happened uh, was there was a manufacturing company in Michigan. Now, manufacturing is probably the hardest place and hardest industry to talk about purpose because it is so robotic and it could be very dingy and very process driven and whatnot. And very uh, black and white. One, what's that? Very black and white. That's exactly right. Black and white. And the CEO of a very large manufacturing company here in Michigan, uh, they're a tier one supplier. They basically create all of the assembly lines for the main three um, uh, automakers, GM, Ford, Chrysler, FCA, um, Rivian, Tesla. They, they, they build the assembly lines and they have their, their you know, a very, uh, about their $300 million, $400 million company with almost a thousand employees and they have plants all over Michigan in, in our area here. And their CEO, uh, their new CEO, read a book by Richard Sheridan. Richard Sheridan wrote a book called Joy Inc., And it was about how to experience joy, basically, and no matter what professional industry that you're in. And he was in the software industry. And they had just changed their mission statement, basically, to eliminating human suffering in software manufacturing, which is like, wow, right? Eliminating human suffering in software manufacturing. So uh, Dave Taylor, who was the CEO of Paslin and still is, said, we're going to do that, but in the automotive industry, we're going to eliminate human suffering and manufacturing as it pertains to the automotive industry. And they wanted to do a full rebrand and create basically the most purpose-driven manufacturing environment that exists. And so uh, we, we partnered with them and I said, what would good look like? And he said, what good would look like would be if we somehow won manufacturer of the year as a result of this. Well, we took a, a huge approach with them. You know, one of the, the blessings that we have as a part of our organization is our, our bench of talent, of coaches, trainers, speakers are basically, you know, licensed in pretty much anything that's out there. So we have access to the top leadership training programs that are out there and communication systems and personality training and strength training and all this stuff that's out there. So we designed basically an entire culture shift program for them. We took all of their leaders through uh, Ken Blanchard's situational leadership training. Um, we took them through personality trainings and assessments. Uh, we rewrote their, their helped partner with them to rewrite their mission, their vision, their values. Um, we, we, we basically did an entire cultural reset there. Uh, and lo and behold, um, they grew in size. Um, they transformed completely. Uh, they had one employee that went on record. I was in the room when he said it stood up in a meeting and said, I've been in manufacturing for 20 years and never ever in my career have I ever gotten up and looked forward to coming to work. And I never thought that I would say that. And I've never seen anything like what I've experienced here since I've been here at Paslin and the company won manufacturer of the year. Wow. Uh, and so that was number two. And then the third thing that happened is uh, because that company is here in in Macomb, Michigan, as a part of COVID and the CARES Act, and with a lot of small businesses being shut down uh, due to the lockdowns in Michigan, they created basically a $5 million grant program to get this, help small businesses um, basically do a rebrand and re- 
articulate their value proposition, their reason for being, their purpose to target their uh, core client base and refresh their websites, their social media, social media strategy, coaching, training, all of that. The grant had to be used specifically for that purpose. That's what the grant was created for. And the county um, chose us as a vendor to execute the grant for all of these small businesses um, in our local community. And so we've spent the last quarter of 2020 literally side by side with companies, big and small of every industry, helping them revisit their mission, their values, their vision, their purpose, all, their, all of their statements, their strategy, how they you know present themselves um, online and through social media and, and all those things. And so those three things really were catalysts that catapulted Purpose Point to where it is today. I say this quite often. Nobody bats a thousand, right? You're gonna not you're, even us. You're, nobody. You're, you're nobody. Gonna, you're gonna miss once in a while. So, on the flip side of that, thank you for sharing those those successes that you've experienced to get you to where you are now. What can you share with some of the biggest challenges you faced that maybe you didn't overcome, or that you had to pivot, or did overcome? Any that you can share. Yeah. Yep. And we are certainly not batting a thousand, you know, maybe 400, which is still pretty good in baseball. Um, but uh, yeah, it um, 2020 exposed both uh, a lot of, I wouldn't say not weaknesses, but things we weren't prepared for where we had to pivot. And there was a lot of things that didn't go the way that we had thought and things we didn't get right in 2020. Um and even along this journey, it wasn't even perfect there. I mean, if you were to talk to Kurt, he would tell you there was things in 2018 and 2019 that we would certainly do over again, where we, we certainly did not bat a thousand in either of those years either. Um, and I would redo a lot of things differently. Um, but we continue to move forward. That's one thing I continue to say is that purpose isn't just why you start. It's why you keep moving forward. So we, we, tr we try, we learn, we either succeed and, and, and take those best practices or we fail and learn from those mistakes and do things differently and, and reinvent ourselves. And so, you know, we had put all of our eggs. I mean, you're in the financial services industry, so you understand the power of diversification. We had really put all of our eggs in 2020 um, a lot of them in the purpose summit in, we were going to do two of them, one in Michigan and one in LA. We focused almost all of our efforts on building up those two events, thinking that if we had those events, post events, people would then come to us for, you know, coaching and training and to ha hire our speakers to speak at their events and so forth and so on. Of course. And, and why, why wouldn't you coming, building off the success from 2019 First quarter, right. really, January, February of 2020, all things were looking really, really good. Uh, and then not so much. Exactly. In fact, you know, the last, I mean, up, up until this recent trip that I took my family to Florida a couple of weeks ago, the last plane that I was on was coming back from an event we did together in, in Orange County. Yeah. And everything was looking, I mean, the year was looking great. We, we, I remember promoting the summit it, you know, while we were in Orange County and it was yep. going to be a great year and we just, we saw a great business model and we were just not prepared for travel to be shut down, for events to be shut down. None of us were prepared for it, but the reality is, is that was really about 80% of our business and revenue model that we had planned for 2020 mm -hmm. that immediately evaporated immediately overnight. I mean, it literally, as I was on the plane 
back from Orange County to Detroit, I was processing yeah, his it, purpose it was happening. point it was going happening. to exist. Yep, it was unfolding. Right. I just, I, it was, and so we had to pivot big time. So that, this is a very important question because the way that we survived that, so the failure there was um, not diversifying our efforts as an organization and focusing all of our efforts on the one area that we had huge success on. Uh, and, 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 you know, going back to a baseball analogy saying, Hey, we're going to swing for the fence every time rather than, you know, hitting some singles here and there, or, you know, we're going to throw a Hail Mary every time rather than, you know, running and, and, and doing the I form in football and trying right. to get a couple of yards and just focusing on these four downs. Right. So right. You know, we were a little foolish in our playbook for 2020. We were a lot foolish in your in our playbook for 2020. And so we now suddenly had to figure out how are we going to survive? What are we going to do? And, um, during that time I was processing, I was saying, you know, listen, there was, uh, you know, I, what, what is it that we do? Well, we engage, we inspire, we motivate people, we educate people. How can we do that and still do it virtually remotely? What are the ways that we can meet people in the pain of where they're at? Because that's what purpose is. At some point we got, we need to get to that difference between purpose, why, and passion. But what purpose is, is what you exist for. It's your reason for being. It is what your gifts, talents, and abilities are and where they meet the needs of others in the moment where they need them. It's your reason for being in every moment. And so in this moment that we all found ourselves, what was our reason for being? How could we continue to deliver on that? And so we had, we, we had done a couple of things. We started the Finding Purpose live cast into 25 episodes of of that, where we started to try to find purpose from organizations that were pivoting in one of the darkest moments of humanity of how they were staying relevant, sharing best practices, interviewing CEOs and thought leaders from, you know, across the world and providing access to that, you know, for free in, in lieu of a summit, because we knew people need to survive in this time. We started teaching people how to do virtual and online podcasts and trainings and, you know, use Zoom effectively and, use social media effectively and all of those things because everyone had to make this jump. We were just a little bit ahead of the game. So how could we teach them what we had learned? So we just focused on how do we help, right? The You've heard me say this at some of the talks you've done. The greatest question that you could ever possibly ask is how can I help? Mm -hmm. So we just asked, how can we help as a company, as an entity, as, as an organization in this moment? And we just found ways to help. Even if it wasn't our core business, we found ways to help and, and we pivoted and we retooled. And, you know, today we do website designs. We never thought we would do website designs, but the reality is everyone's email inboxes got flooded, right? Email became almost irrelevant overnight because everyone was sharing COVID statements and blah, 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 blah. And nobody was opening them. And so it just got very noisy. Mm -hmm. I knew we, we did that, that series breaking through the noise a couple of years ago and the world just got a lot noisier in 2020 because everyone was limited to communicating through email or social media yes. because you couldn't be in person. Right. And so we had to figure out how to help people stay relevant, how to break through all that noise, how to make sure that they showed up powerfully and impactfully and we, we, we made a massive pivot um, and changed a lot of our services and offerings. And, uh, you know, we, we still lost a lot in 2020, but we end up helping a lot of people and in getting into a lot of aspects um, 
that we never thought that we would. We, we, we ended up creating offerings and services that we never thought that we would have got into, but that's where the need was. I mean, everybody did that, right? Yeah. I mean, car companies, automotive companies started making ventilators instead of cars. It was um, unprecedented it, in many ways. No, no question of that. Never, I would, I would argue, probably never in our history were we forced so quickly to make dramatic shifts in how we conduct our lives and our businesses. <clears throat> the lesson learned there, if I take it, we can move on, is that it forced you to be more diversified in really your services, your value add, your purpose as an organization to the customers that you serve. And here we are, we're going to do 20, you're going to do Purpose Summit in 2021, which we will talk about next, but let's go back here to passion, why, and purpose. And I'll start with this. Passion is another word for energy. When you are passionate about something, it just means that when you do that thing, it energizes you. Your passion in life will bring you joy and makes you happy. That's why passion is not something you find. It's something that you feel. I love that. I'm passionate about a number of things, certainly passionate about what we do. I touched on that. You're passionate about what you do. How is it different than purpose and how does passion and purpose play into our why? So you're, what you just read about passion is spot on. And so what I would say is that um, passion and why are very similar in that they are internally focused. They are internally motivated. Um, I would say passion is a part of who you are. Uh, it's a natural inclination of the things that you get excited about that mean something to you, that motivate you, like you just said. I would say your why is something that motivates you, and, and that could be, it could be anything. It could be money. It could be people. It could be making a difference. Each of our whys is different. Both of those things are internally focused things. They focus on us. Purpose is others focused. Purpose has nothing to do. It's, it's not self-serving. It has nothing to do with its impact on you and everything to do with your impact on others. So your, your why and your passion might be your reason for doing your purpose is your reason for being. So I might get up and say, hey, I'm going to go to work today and I'm going to do this or this and this or thing. I might need to motivate myself to get up and actually do that thing. And if it's something that I'm not passionate about, that's natural, I need to have a very strong why to do the thing that I'm not passionate about. Your purpose is the impact that whatever that thing that you do is on other people. So I'm very passionate about speaking, about motivating, about writing, about coaching. I don't really need to have a deep intrinsic why to do those things because I'm passionate about them. I'm passionate about music. I love playing the piano. I don't need a why to sit down at the piano. You I'm enjoy passionate it. about hockey. What's that? You just enjoy it. It fills your, it fills it. your bucket. It fills your soul. It's exactly. Yeah. So I don't need a why for that, but all of those things fill me. They really have nothing to do with focusing on others. There are other things that I need to do that I'm not passionate about, that I need to find a why 
to do. You know, I, I don't like taking out the trash. I don't like folding clothes. I don't like, I mean, there's different things that we all don't like doing, but I do those things because my wife's love language is acts of service. And so my why is my wife. And so my, the things that I do at home to serve my wife and my family, those things I might not be passionate about, but I'm passionate about my wife and my kids. And so in essence, they become my why to do the things I'm not passionate about. Okay. So let's break this down a little bit. Is, is my purpose something that I, and I'm rhetorically saying this, giving it, giving back to you. It's what I give back to the world. What I give back to my career is, is purpose an overarching thing for me as a person or do I have purpose within different aspects of my life? Let's use yes. fitness. Let, let's use fitness as an example. What would I know my why? I want to be healthy. I, you know, I relieve my stress from it. It makes me look better. It makes me feel better. All those things. That's the why of why I would be, you know, engage in fitness. But what would one's purpose be as it relates to fitness? Or is that not the way that it works? No, you're spot on. But as it relates to fitness, I would say who is going back to the series we did on who is your who, right? Who would be positive impacted or who would benefit from Scott being in great shape? Well, I mean, wife, obviously, uh, outside of myself, my kids, my family, if I'm more healthy, I can do more with my kids, right? I have more energy to be more to those that I serve and represent, the staff, advisors, customers, what have you, as opposed to the, the exact opposite, being tremendously unhealthy, right? Then I can't accomplish all of these things that I want. Exactly. So as you think about those things, all of those things might be your why for working out, but the end purpose of working out is so that you are in great shape, that you have more energy, so that you are around longer to do all of those things. And and I would say we do have many purposes, personally and professionally, in different areas of our lives. My purpose as a husband, my purpose as a father, right, are the things that I exist, again, my reason for being, the value that I add to my wife, to my kids. My purpose as a financial advisor, if I was a financial advisor, is how the impact that I have on my clients, whether that's helping them retire, having peace of mind, making sure they're diversified, making sure they're perfected. You know, we've talked about all the different, you know, I'm not going to get into different products. We can, but, but making sure that they understand what those exist for, why they're in their plans, all of those things. That's, that's, my purpose as a professional in the financial services industry is making sure that the things that my client care about are taken care of and that they have peace of mind around that. Again, that's your reason for being in that moment. And so you need to distinguish the difference very, very simply, because I know this can get very confusing, is that why and passion are internal motivators purpose they're your reason for being or your reason for doing purpose is your reason for being it's others focused i'll say that again one more time why and passion are internal motivators they are your reason for doing purpose is your reason for being it is what you offer to the world it is your impact in any moment on the lives of those around you
So what are some ste- steps that one can take to help them find their purpose? Me as a principal of an entrepreneurial organization or me as an employee. So the, the key to finding purpose in any moment in whether again, as leader of an organization, as an employee, as whatever, is recognizing first and foremost, what is it that you are truly good at? What is it that you are uniquely gifted at? What is it that you are capable of? What are your talents and abilities? And how can you meet a need that is around you in that moment and contribute to that need in that moment? That, that is the key to finding purpose. Now, see, the problem is, is too many people, you know, think that purpose is like this finite thing that I need to spend my whole life trying to find what that is and then pursue that. How do I get paid to do what I love to do? And that's, that is not finding purpose. purpose. Finding purpose happens moment by moment every day saying, how can I contribute in the moment? What is it that I have to offer in the moment to the person sitting in right in front of me? to the company that I'm a part of, to the cause that I'm supporting or contributing to, what is it that I can do or offer in the moment that adds value, that that serves a purpose, right? There's a reason that we use that term serving a purpose because it requires giving of ourselves in the moment, that's the essence of serving, to fulfill the purpose that we're created for in every moment. That's fantastic. We could go on and on about all of that, but I must move on. Let me ask you this question. And the answer cannot be the book that's sitting behind you with the little tag, hello. I know that you're somewhat of an avid reader, so tell me a book that you read in 2020 that resonated with you and that you would suggest I read, anybody read, and why. And then let's get into your book. It has to be 2020? No, I'll let you slide on that a little bit. You can, you can go... Yeah. But, I, well, because the book that I would recommend is too important. A, cur- a to current book. A current book is what I'm asking. Okay. Um, so I would say first and foremost, and, the, and maybe that's not so current, but the, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. The book Halftime by Bob Buford is a must read for anybody because that book is going to take you from Bob Buford basically makes the suggestion that we spend, we're wired, we're intrinsically wired and then we're externally wired just through the system of, you know, our society to pursue success. And he says that somewhere between the age of 35 and 55, usually those aren't hard dates. We often will find ourselves, no matter how successful we are lacking And the reason why is because we weren't created for success. We were created for significance. And most people misdiagnose this moment in life as a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. No matter how successful or unsuccessful they are, they're looking for fulfillment. And the reason why is because they had failed to deliver it on the significance they were created for. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great book on finding and and, and living out your purpose and kind of helping you find your one thing. Um, But it's really about that mindset shift of pursuing significance over success. Not that success is a bad thing, but you could be successful and miss out on a life of significance. He would argue you could live and pursue a life of significance and it would be impossible to not be successful. Oh, absolutely. I know many people who fit exactly that category where they are 
successful, some tremendously successful, but almost there's there not resent, but a form of, sometimes even a level of guilt that is hard for them to process and digest. And they don't, they, I don't think they know really how to respond to, to those feelings. Yes. Hence yes. midlife crisis acting out in different ways and making dramatic choices that sometimes may be good. Sometimes may not, not the case. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. The other book. Yes. Very, very critical. And then I would say a more recent book since you asked for uh, a more recent book. Um, and, 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 you know, I, people are on all different places of the belief spectrum, but this is, this is too critical to not share is there's a book called the freedom of self forgetfulness. And it's a very short book. It's about 45 pages long. You can read it in about a half hour. Um, I read it probably 10 times in 2020 because I needed to, I carry it with me everywhere I go. It's by Timothy Keller. It's a small little book with a mirror on a brick wall on the cover. But that book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, here's what's so important of that. The way for us to reach our top potential, the way for us to perform at the highest level of our ability, the way for us to fulfill the purpose that we were created for is to forget about ourselves and to focus on those around us. Mm -hmm. And we're not wired that way. We're not, I just mentioned, I mean, I talk about purpose all the time. I write about it. I had to read that book 10 times in 2020 just to constantly keep my mind aligned. But wait, you right? don't think so. I think that you, you don't think there's people out there that are just kind of predisposed to, to being that nurturer, that caretaker, as opposed to a person who, you know, on the opposite, just, they are wired to just think about themselves. I, I just think it's a natural part of, and I, and we could talk all day long about why, but I mean, look, we all have, we both have kids and, you know, I, I wonder every day why are, you know, mine are younger, they're 10 and seven, but yeah, I wonder what it is. Like, when did they learn what, you know, I pour a glass of juice and one wants the, the, the cup that has more juice in it. We make Christmas cookies. One wants the one that has more frosting on it. One there's, there's a natural tendency to be self serving to want the bigger slice of the pie, the best yep, yep. piece, the best, whatever yep. to serve ourselves. We yep. are, there's a natural wiring from childhood to be self-serving. Yeah. I'll ask my and boys, the, Hey, the, Jack, serve up something to drink and get your brother something too. Why? Why right, would I exactly. do that? <laughs> because it's, exactly. the, it's the thoughtful, you, you're pouring a glass of water now, pour one more. They don't it's, get right, it. They hard? don't get it. Yeah. What's no, that's about? a good point. So we're, we're, we are naturally self-serving, right? We could, that's probably a whole nother talk and a whole nother episode, but we're naturally self-serving. So the freedom of self-forgetfulness will really help you understand the power of your potential by reading that short book. And the other thing it will do is this, I will say this, the other thing that we tend to do, uh, much like a stock market goes up and down, we tend to base our self-worth and our self-value on uh, our failures and successes, right? You had asked me earlier about, you know, no one bats a thousand, right? Our successes and our failures. And we tend to base our self-worth off of, you know, you know, if, if we succeed, our stock is high. If we fail, our stock is low. 
And the freedom of self-forgetfulness helps remind you that your value of who you are, your identity does not change based off of whether you succeed or fail. It doesn't go up or down like the stock market. Your value, your worth has a fixed element to it that is incalculable. But we tend to recalculate it based off of what we achieve or don't achieve in our lives. That's interesting. Okay. So the other thing we want to talk about here a little bit is your book, Finding Purpose at Work. We've certainly dove into this quite a bit thus far. So I don't necessarily, I mean, I want you to explain the book, talk to us about the book, but not necessarily in depth about the book. I'm more interested in your journey of both writing and publishing a book. Mm. So I I never said that I was going to write a book or aspired to write a book. Um, People would constantly say, you should write a book. And um, I have to first of all give credit to my wife because my wife was a journalist and was a writer long before I was. Um, But I think what had happened is I had published So you wouldn't classify yourself as a writer. I mean, you wouldn't give yourself an A in the category of writing. Well, I mean, no, I don't think I ever would. And that's, that's a whole other topic. I think we can always <laughs> be better. I think, I think, I think others w- might ascribe to me an A, but um, we're our own enemies at times. And, and even when I get up and talk, people will say that was an amazing talk. Thank you so much. And the entire time I'm thinking about what I shouldn't have said or what I should have said and how it could have been better. And in the same way, writing the book is the second the book uh, was done and I was holding it in my hand, I got done reading it and I'm like, I should have wrote, I should have taken this out. I should have put this in. I should have whatever. So I, I don't know if I'd ever give myself an A as a writer. Um, I will say that there's been a lot of people uh, who've sent me thank you letters and notes from the book telling me how much it's already impacted them, changing their lives. Um, I mean, Amazon sold out of it in the first week that it was on the market, which was an incredible honor. Ken Blanchard, who wrote the forward to the book, who's written 60 books and is an all-time best-selling author, uh, called me on the phone and 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 tried to reset my mind on on how good of a work that it was and how honored he was to write the forward. So I I, I tend to be my own self enemy in that, uh, but at the same time, I don't want to, to discredit the book because we tend to devalue uh, you know our own work. But there's there's a lot of people that have found value. Yeah, I get it. You're uh, you're your harshest critic, but excellence is in us. Um, just sometimes hard for us to see and acknowledge. Yes. So what was it's your a- inspiration and your journey? How did you write the book? So the journey started uh, several years back when I started publishing articles on LinkedIn. Um, and so what had happened is, you know, you can only put so much in a LinkedIn post. It's, it's limited. So I was like, man, I have more to say, but I can't fit it all in a post. So I'd start to write an article. And then I would write articles, write articles, write articles. And then I, I realized that you know, if you wrote lengthy articles, people wouldn't read them all. You know, mm-hmm. if you get past a few paragraphs, they just kind of check out no matter how engaging they are. And so I just keep I would swiping, just start swiping, 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 yep, swiping. Yep, yep. So I started just translating a lot of the thoughts that I had into notes uh, and actually into my phone, notes into my phone, different moments where I would pause and be like, hmm, I'm going to write an article about that someday, or I'm going to write a post about that someday. Um, And then at some point I had so many of them and I had always said that I was going to 
uh, put them in a book. And so what I had done was, is I started organizing it and I started, um, you know, writing uh, what I, uh, the, the book that I wrote, Finding Purpose at, at Work, was not the first book that I thought that I was going to write. The book that I'm writing now, uh, which I, I, I'll share about that at another time because I don't want to share the title yet, um, is the first book that I thought that I would write. What had happened was uh, actually when I was in California in one of our trips, I was sitting at dinner with Ken Blanchard and we were just talking about purpose and we were going back and forth. And he said, have you ever written anything on this purpose stuff that you're talking about? And I said, actually I have, I've written lots about it and I'm, I'm in the process of trying to figure out of maybe how to put it all into a book. And, and he basically encouraged me. He said, you should. And he said, do me a favor. As soon as you're done, send me the book because I would like to write the forward to that book. Now, Ken Blanchard is 82 years old. He's a 60 time author and he's someone who's personally shaped my life over the last 20 years. And that lit a spark under me that I got to get this book done. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and so in fact, the last words he said to me at dinner that night, uh, and I've since spoke to him several times and he's been a guest on my show a couple of times, but the last words he said, I just can't get this visual on my head. He gets up from dinner and he's got his cane and he points his cane to me and he says, finish that book. I'm not getting any younger. And he walks out of the room. So literally I went back to my hotel and I started typing. Straight I was back. on the plane and I was typing. I mean, I just went on a mission to get this thing done. Um, and then COVID happened and I was in my basement for three weeks and typing and finishing. And, you know, um, the book was done in spring and um, it would have actually been out a little bit earlier, but then I came across a couple other stories in June that, that I wanted to make sure were in it. And so then I, uh, pulled it back from our publisher. I added a couple more things to it and then we sent it out. Um, and in hindsight, there's a, there's a couple more things I would have added and there's probably going to be a second edition that comes out in the near future uh, with those things. Um, but going back to real quick, I also wanted to make sure that I wrote a book that was something that everyone would read and also something that employers would feel comfortable literally giving out to their employees to help make that connection of finding purpose in their work that they do every single day. So I knew that the book needed to be a hundred pages or less because let's face it, most people, if you're not an avid reader and you pick up a book that's more than a hundred pages, you read the first three or four chapters and then it sits on your shelf. I have several of them sitting at home um, because time is a premium, right? So I wanted something that was a quick read but that would very quickly, easily help people find purpose at work, in their work, and at work in their lives. That's fantastic. Kudos to you. Congratulations on that success. You mentioned you can find the book on Amazon. Um, or on davinsylvania.com if Amazon is sold out because they tend to, they, they get them in stock and then they sell out. And so if, if you can just go directly to davinsylvania.com and they're always in stock there, they print directly from the publisher. Salvano, S-A-L-V-A-G-N-O. Okay. Correct. All right. If twenty if twenty twenty was many, many things, one of the most positive things it was, in my opinion, was silver linings. Because I would argue mm -hmm. if you were immersed in your travels, in your purpose summit, you may not have had the time, the adequate time to put in to finish that book. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But certainly it probably accelerated your path, not just Ken shaking his cane at you to say, get that thing done because time's ticking. That's right. That's I, really, I think really that's cool. a fair assessment. The book still would have been written. It just may not have been written as fast as it was. 
that's my take is that 2020, although challenging in so many aspects and will go down in history for sure, but many, many silver linings. You just got to pause, reflect, think about that. Davin, um, Purpose Summit. Let's talk about that. Coming up here in May yeah. 11th through 13th in in um, Detroit, Michigan, right? Yep, yep. In Mount Clemens, Michigan, which is just north of Detroit. So if you're coming in for the summit, you're going to fly into Detroit, and then you're going to head about a half hour north. Three but, days uh, yeah. of, of speakers, life-changing opportunities, right? That's correct. So May 11th, 12th, and 13th, three days, 30 speakers. Uh, it is both a, it's a hybrid, both in-person and virtual event because we recognize that we don't know what the landscape will look like in May. Um, we anticipate having a very limited crowd uh, of about 500 in person here. Uh, capacity in person is 2000. Um, we anticipate the state will allow 25%, but who knows, we could be in a situation where restrictions are gone and we can have 2000 people in person, but there is a virtual offering and there's, there's already thousands of people uh, who have uh, registered for the, for the virtual offering, which will be live streamed all across the country. And um, it, even if you can't attend those sessions live, uh, what we're doing is recording every session, uploading them to a website that everyone who has a ticket to the summit will be able to access for 30 days following the summit so that you can catch every piece of it. But 30 speakers from across the entire country, all in what I've now called the purpose space. Uh, a lot of them authors of, of many, many books. Ken Blanchard is one of the speakers, um, but other people, Dennis Mosley Williams, who I know, you know, and many of you know, will be back again. He was at the first purpose summit in 2019. I spoke to him last week. He is really excited, uh, has a lot of new stuff to share for 2021. Um, but, People like Aaron Hurst, who you've heard me talk about, who wrote the book, The Purpose Economy in 2013, which was way ahead of its time, that talked about the time that we're living in right now and how to stay relevant uh, in, in what is a very transformational economy and not a transactional economy. Um, you have Nick Craig, uh, who wrote Leading with Purpose and uh, is a, you know has been, his clients have been everything from Unilever to Lego to Ben and Jerry's. He's nationally around. He'll be speaking. Um, but yeah, 30 very, very uh, insightful and impactful speakers over three days that quite frankly, we anticipate to be one of, and this is not a boastful statement, but I believe it's going to be one of, if not the most transformational event of 2021, acting as almost a timeout, if you will, a reset for every individual and organization to truly realign and recalibrate with their purpose uh, for being in business. So important, more important than probably ever. We will definitely be participating. So how do people go check that out and register and buy a ticket? Thepurposesummit.com. ThePurposeSummit.com. And how do people engage with you on the intranet? So you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm there most of the time. Um, that's that's my main preference of social media. Of course, you can find me on all other forms of social media, but most up-to-date on LinkedIn. Uh, also, you can go to DavinSalvano.com for more information on me and, and, and upcoming articles and books and, and events and talks. 
Um, but listen, I'm very open. So if you send me a invitation on LinkedIn, I don't have someone managing it for me. I will be, uh, I, I tend to, to set time apart every single day to make sure that I'm engaging uh, with new people and new thoughts every single day. So if you're listening to this, uh, I look forward to, to meeting with you and engaging with you on LinkedIn. And stay tuned. Davin and I will be doing a follow-up show at some point in the near future, specifically on social media, do's and don'ts, best practices, how to optimize your time, your efforts, your energy to produce positive results through online social media platforms. Davin? I look awesome. I look forward to that. It's been fantastic, insightful. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you. Scott, I appreciate you. Thank you for creating such a valuable podcast and a very timely one uh, for your industry and even beyond your industry for so many people to learn and grow from. Appreciate our friendship. And uh, I can't wait to come to Orange County again and to be able to do things in person. But in the meantime, glad to be here to contribute in any way I possibly can. Let's go get it. Let's make it a great year, brother. 